Good morning. Man, it is so good to see you. got to do me. North Campus Online family. I know it'll be a little awkward online if you're at your house by yourself, but I don't care. Somebody give a clap and a shout to Jesus for some rain in the big country. Yeah. The scripture actually says that rain is a symbol of God's grace. That the Jesus said that the Father reigns on the just and on the unjust. And so it's a sign of all that God's doing. Today is a day to say thank you. Thank you to the Lord for all he's done in us. Thank you to the Lord for all he is doing through us. We are going to celebrate today and be encouraged that what God has begun, he is going to continue. I'm telling you, what God is doing in your life will only go forward from glory to glory to glory. We gather together as a people for one reason. We want to e- encourage each other in our journey of faith. Whether we are gathering in our groups throughout the week, whether we're gathering at one of our weekend services, plus Thursday, North Campus, uh, South Campus, online on Sunday, it matters not. We want to encourage each other in a journey of faith. We state it this way. Beltway Park Church is just a group of people helping each other take our next steps with Jesus so that we can bless our neighbor. And that word bless for us is an acronym. We begin with prayer, we listen to people, we eat, we fellowship with them, we serve, and we share our story with them because we believe that the only way people can have eternal life, to have hope, not just for this life, but for the life to come, is through Jesus Christ, amen? And so we wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. When it really comes down to it, our life as followers of Jesus is to become more like him. I mean, you think about it right now. You're here, however you are present, you're here because at some level you're drawn to Jesus, not to a church. There's nothing that impressive about our church. There's nothing that impressive about any church. Really not anything impressive about people except what Jesus has done in the lives of people. Some of you are here because you've seen Jesus bring radical change in somebody's life. You're saying, wow, I want some of that in my life. But there's something about Jesus that you are drawn to. Jesus is the model of the way we are designed. And our journey as followers of Jesus is to become like him. So think with me for a moment. In your mind, you don't have to say anything out loud whatsoever, but in your mind, when you think of Jesus, what attributes come to you? What characteristics, what things do you want to be like? I mean, when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? See, immediately, most of us probably say, well, I think think of love. Jesus is love, and that is more true than we can imagine. But when I think about attributes of Jesus, attributes that I want to become more true in me, I've also thought of words like holy, kind, meek, sacrificial, empowering. I mean, there are all sorts of adjectives that we use to attempt to describe he who is indescribable. But there is one adjective that I bet most of us did not think of. But when I tell you about it, you're gonna say, oh, absolutely, that is true of Jesus. And that aspect of Jesus motivates so much of our lives. I mean, think with me for a moment. When you came in, you, you received the elements of communion. You don't need to get them out right now, we'll use them in a little while. If you're new around the Christian faith, communion is basically called to one thing, remember. Every bit of hope we have is tied to what these elements represent. 
The price that was necessary for the forgiveness of our sins was paid by the body of Jesus on the cross. The hope that we have is because of the faithfulness that we know of in Jesus, the covenant he made with us through the blood that he shed on the cross. Everything we celebrate is because of Jesus. Every bit of hope we have is Jesus. None of us could do enough good things to be made right with God. We were separated from God and could do nothing about it until Jesus came. I mean, think about it. If we could do enough good things, enough right things to be right with God, Jesus didn't need to come. He didn't need to go to the cross. He didn't need to go to the grave. He didn't need to overcome death, hell, and the grave. But he came as a substitute for our lives. We were destined to die. We were destined to be separated from God. We were destined to hell. And Jesus overcame all of that through his body and through his blood that we might have life now and eternal life when we pass from this life. Communion is that time where we remember. We remember what he did for us and we remember, listen to me, we remember that we are committed to become like this and everything it represents. Interestingly, in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, Man, you might want to write it down and read this week, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Paul uses financial terms to try to describe what Jesus did for us. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace just summarizes everything God's done for us in Jesus. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, that's an understatement, is it not? Yet he, for your sake, became poor. So that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. Remember, the journey of the Christian faith is about us becoming like Jesus. And what this verse is telling us is that beyond what we can fathom, Jesus is, hear the word, generous. And you're going to go, well, absolutely. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus is generous beyond what we can imagine. So it should not shock us, those of us that are on a journey to become like him, when the scripture implores us, just a couple of verses before, when it says he became poor that we might become rich, he says, just as you excel in everything. And I think what Paul's saying is just as you seek to excel in everything. Because I don't think any of us would think we like excel. But just as you seek to excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also seek to excel in this grace of generosity. See, I need you to hear me. To truly be Christ-like is to seek to excel in generosity. In every arena of our lives, not just our finances, but our times, our skills, every resources God has given us. As a church, this is a lesson that we had to learn in the early days that has become foundational to everything you're seeing. I was blessed to join the leadership team of Beltway Park, the elders of Beltway Park, April of 1998, almost 26 years ago. I came from being on staff of a larger church in Lubbock where we had like lots of people, lots of resources, and I came to Beltway and I looked around and it didn't feel like we had anything. We didn't have a lot of anything. What we did have a lot of was we had a lot of debt. We had a massive amount of debt on the first property we built and it had been a source of struggles and problems for well over a decade. And finances, or might I say lack thereof, had been a source of struggle also for the decade. 
I actually, when I was contemplating coming to Beltway, I had a spiritual father. His name's Jack Taylor. Some of you might remember Jack came here for a number of years before he passed on to be with the Lord a couple years ago. Before I came to Beltway, I sat down with Jack, had lunch with him, my wife and I, and I was just telling him about Beltway and where it was and kind of the struggles and the problems. And I was talking and he just stopped me. He said, Dave, whoa, whoa, stop right there. Why would you even think about going to a church like that? I said, well, and I began to share the stories of how God has shown us we were supposed to go, like prophetic words God had given us, these overt ways God had spoken that, man, you're supposed to join the leadership team at Beltway Park. And then he just kind of sat back and crossed his arms and he smirked. Hear me, he smirked at me. And he said, well, I guess you're moving to Abilene. And then he said, I'm glad it's you and not me. (laughs) Come on, how's that for encouragement, right? Well, in the fall of 98, the elders said, hey, it's time for us to get together and put together our budget for the next year. I thought, well, this ain't going to take long. We didn't have a lot to budget, and most of everything we needed to budget was already spent. It was already accounted for with debt and salaries and all that kind of stuff. It was going to be a really, really quick process. But we got together, and I remember one of us asking, well, what about our missions budget? Missions, budgets, and churches are, are what we give away or what we use to serve our community or things like that. What about our missions budget? Now, we all knew the answer to that because Beltway's mission budget in the fall of 1998 was zero. We didn't feel like we had enough money to give anything away. We were just trying to somehow make it. And I, I, I talked a little bit about the church I came from. That church had done something radical and dedicated 30% of their income to missions and outreach to, to spread the gospel throughout the community and region around Lubbock and also around the world. And we as an elders, I remember we just began to talk. And we began to talk about all the financial problems. They were telling stories about the financial issues. And all of a sudden the conversation turned and we began to wonder, well, is it possible that the financial struggles we're experiencing is because we have not stepped into a realm of generosity? You see, to be truly Christ-like is to excel in generosity. And we began to wonder, maybe part of our problem was tied to that. And so what I thought was going to be an easy process became actually a fairly complex process for us because we started trying to factor in the realm of generosity and who we are. See, we prayed as a leadership. And what the Lord showed us was this. We know that the scripture doesn't give any specific to churches about how much you're supposed to give. All directions towards generosity are actually given to individual families. But we knew that the foundation of generosity for the Christian family is what's called the tithe. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed last week, I'm not going to tell you the message is not challenging. It is. But if you want the reality of more blessed to be true in your life, I would encourage you to listen and just contemplate if what I said is scriptural. You can get the messages always on our website or on our YouTube channel. But tithing is this radical thing by the norms of the world that says the first 10% of our income goes to the work of God. And we actually talk about tithes and offerings around Beltway Park, that offerings are gifts the Lord leads above our tithe to go to the work of the Lord. I know, I know that tithes and offerings seem really radical, even irrational compared to the norm of our world. But remember, we're not trying to become like the world, are we? We are followers of who? And we're trying to become like who? Jesus. We're not seeking to be like our world. We're seeking to be more and more like Jesus. And come on, when you look at what Jesus gave, when you look at his generosity, tithes and offerings don't seem that irrational, do they? There was a great Christian leader in our nation named Dr. Timothy Keller. If you've never read a Timothy Keller book, I would encourage you to do it. Just plan to be there a while. 
you can't read it fast. I mean, it's just got too much depth to it. But I remember his words. He said, there have been times when people have come to me as their pastor and ask about tithing, giving away a tenth of their income. They notice that in the Old Testament, there are many clear commands that believers should give away 10%. But in the New Testament, specific quantitative requirements for giving are less prominent. That's true, by the way. They often ask me, hey, you don't think now in the New Testament, believers are absolutely required to give away 10%, do you? I shake my head, no, and they give a sigh of relief. But then I quickly add, I'll tell you why you don't see the tithing requirement laid out clearly in the New Testament. Think. Have we received more of God's revelation, truth, and grace than the Old Testament believers or less? There's normally a moment of uncomfortable silence. Are we more debtors to his grace than they were or less? Did Jesus tithe his life and blood to save us or did he give it all? And then Dr. Keller says, tithing is a minimum standard for Christian believers. We certainly wouldn't want to be in a position of giving away less of our income than those who had so much less of an understanding of what God did to save them. See, to be Christ-like is to excel in the realm of generosity. And we as an eldership, way back, fall of 1998, we felt the impetus of the Lord that we needed to model this as, lives, uh, as leaders in our church. And so we made a commitment that we as elders, first and foremost, would tithe and we would give as our offerings as the Lord has led. And as far as I know, every elder has done that. We continue to make that commitment to this day. But we also decided that in that church budget that year, we were going to dedicate 10%. So we went from zero to 10% to what is called missions and outreach. And we said we would pray every year about adding at least a percent to that just so that we can be those who excel in generosity in life. We also committed to a couple of other things. We committed to a budget, a plan that would help us enact, uh, help, help enable us to reach the goals that God had given us financially, and we would commit to using debt wisely, which meant use it just as little as we could and get out of it as quickly as we could. By the way, those three things, I think, are the foundation of most facets of our financial plans. We still recommend to this day, generosity, a budget, a plan, use debt wisely, get out of it as quickly as you can. And some of you are saying right now, well, I've heard Dave Ramsey, you sound a lot like him. Bingo! But we said it before Dave Ramsey ever became popular. There were believers who were teaching this all along. But I would absolutely recommend if you've never done any kind of financial course, like Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey or something else, there's Crown Ministries or other, every American believer needs to do something about finances. If you are an American, you are in the top 2% of world wealth just by being an American. So we have to deal with that reality. I left you a note on how you can actually do FPU online if you want to look at the budget um, and you want to look at the stuff. So back to our story. I want you to know that as a church, listen to me, we have a budget right now. It is very extensive. We as a church have no debt whatsoever. Everything we have is paid for. Somebody say thank you to the Lord for that, come on. So, now we have had debt. So hear me, we've had debt on every building we've had except for the ministry center we're doing right now. So we've done it, we've paid it off as quickly as we could. And in 2024, we have dedicated 36% of our general offerings. So you give a dollar, we dedicate 36 cents of that to what we call missions and outreach. And I think we'll keep going. I look back on the first year that we did this. So in 1999, when we took that step, 
to say we would give 10%. That year, we gave $55,000 to missions and outreach, which was an incredible step for us. But then I looked at this year. And what we dedicated to missions and outreach, believe it or not, was $5.9 million to the glory of God. Some on. I don't know about you, but the word million doesn't roll off my tongue very quickly because it's not the norm of my world. This is amazing. Let me unpack this number a little bit for you. This is 35% of our general offerings, almost $12 million in general offerings, like 11.98 or something like that, uh, general offerings. But then people also give to specific mission projects of their offerings. So like my wife and I, we gave to the ministry center, our offering beyond our tithe we gave to the ministry center. We gave to some of our partners in Ukraine and Israel to help show the love of Jesus during the war. So these numbers are both the 35% plus the offerings of our people. A lot of this goes to our mission partners, 95 plus mission partners we have around the world. Like part of our um, 2030 vision is we wanted to help plant five churches around the United States of America. We are already a part of planting five churches around the United States of America, and we're well before 2030. So let me tell you where they are. You need to look. They are History Makers Church in Miami, Florida, Rue Church in Tampa, Florida, um, the Hills Church in San Diego, California. Yes, the pastor of this church loves to go to the coast, apparently, so we're going to start churches in those places. That's just where we met up with people because we're also in Columbus, Ohio, Nouveau Church. And I don't know what it is about new churches that have to come up with these odd names. I mean, we're like Beltway Park. We're the name of a street. They come up with cool names like Nouveau. But anyway, we'll come up with a cool one someday. Um, but anyway, we have those five churches. We also are in Garland, Texas with that. And though we've technically hit our goal, guys, we're going to continue. We're going to continue to grow because here's our journey. Remember, the people of Beltway Park exist to help each other take next steps, which means we're going to help people take first steps. And it's not just us in this region. Until the world knows Jesus from little Abilene, Texas, we're going to share the gospel. Come on. But some of this money we also use um, to serve in our city. So we have shirts that we wear all the time. We love our city. And we try to do that not just in a branding kind of way, I mean, there is a reality like we have an auto garage. See, I don't know if you know in Abilene, Texas, if you want to do this radical thing called work, you pretty much need a car. And we got to keep cars running. So we have teams of people who serve 390 families just by working on their car and keeping them going. We actually had nine cars donated that we passed on to people that could be helped so they'd have an automobile to do the things that they needed to do in life. It's just a practical way we can show the love of Jesus. But we also have our benevolence ministry where we meet with people and help them with financial bills, water, rent, things such as that. We help 454 families with almost $81,000 paid towards bills. We have our boots on the ground ministry ministry, which is a construction ministry, helps fix up houses. We've put, built a lot of ramps to help those who need ramps into their houses. We served 301 of those families this last year. We have a food pantry. Our food pantry served 2,681 families, represents 8,800 individuals that came here and received some sort of practical way to know that Jesus loves them. 
that Jesus cares for them because of us as a people. We have a foster ministry. We have 11 foster families right now. We have seen in 12 years 449 foster kids come through Beltway Park, getting, get, getting showed the love of Jesus from their family and from their church. And part of our 2030 vision, our dream, is that we want to mobilize the body of Messiah, the body of Christ in the big country to solve the foster family crisis that exists in our region. Every kid that has to go in the foster system, we believe can have a Christ-centered family that can help show the love of Jesus if they're there for a month, if they're there for a year, if they're there for three years, whatever the case may be. Listen to me. What we want to do, this is so cool, is we just want to keep serving people. Did not Jesus say, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So we believe if we just take steps of service that we practically show people the love of Jesus. Remember our BLESS acronym? Begin with prayer, listen, eat, then we serve. And we believe through service we will have appropriate opportunities to share our story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And so we actually try to count how many serve points we have. We call them gospel touch points. Our goal is over 100,000 every year. We want to touch every individual in the big country somehow with an act of service. We believe we counted like 111,000 of them in 2023. We've already started 2024, it's cool. We had a thing just last Friday night called Night to Shine. They tra our teams transformed our South Campus building into a massive party. And I'm telling you, we had family after family of those who had kids with special needs, adults with special needs, and they loved on them in such practical and incredible ways. Why? We just love our city. Why do we love our city? Because Jesus so loved us first. And he did a radical thing that was a ma massively generous in our life. And we want to do the same thing in his life. We're going to continue doing this. We're going to continue growing in this. How many of you have heard of the Beltway Ministry Center? Put your hands up right now. Right now. But if you haven't heard of Beltway Ministry, we purchased a building. Uh, on South 23rd and Willis. You can drive by it. We purchased that building because it's in the center of town, believe it or not. So 95,000 people, I believe, are within a 10-minute drive to that building, which matters for what we're doing. We have been remodeling that building that used to be Brook Hollow Christian Church. They moved to another location. We've been remodeling, really rebuilding is what we've been doing. And we've turned it into two areas of great need in our community. We're turning it into uh, a daycare Beltway Kids Academy, and counseling that is going to be focused on, not exclusive to, but focused on um, children and teens, because those are big needs in our community. And so what we hope to do is we hope to open in the next few months uh, in this property. We're going to have an open house. You're going to get to come and see. You're going to get to come and pray. You're going to see what coming on, uh, what's happening. But we believe that we can start serving families in our community um, through Beltway Kids Academy. Up to, just depending on what the kind of the ratios of the kids are up to 200 to 220 kids and potentially that many families could come and be served through Beltway Kids Academy, by the way. And then we are going to raise up an army of counselors who want to work with children and teens. And we think that over the course of the next five to 10 years, we can double, triple, or quadruple the number of hours that we have for counselors to help kids and teens in this day and age where we, believe it or not, with all the prosperity of our nation, we have great needs in that area. Amen? So we'll tell you more about it. I am going to tell you this. I'm going to just give you a little side note right here. You ready? We are hiring for Beltway Kids Academy. And I believe there's like 50 people 
that need to join us, at least 50, that are going to join our team and be part of Loving Families in that way. There is a link on the bottom of your notes. If you're saying, man, I'd be interested in talking to somebody about that, there's an application online. We invite you to make an application. Come be a part of the team. Listen to me. Are you hearing me? We love our city. Amen? We love our city. And there's a dream out there now. What if we had every home in the big country being prayed over by a follower of Jesus? on a regular basis, like what if we did it every week? What might transpire if we began with prayer and we just did every home in the big country? See, the church of Jesus Christ, remember something with me. How many churches are there in Abilene? How many churches? How many churches are there in the United States? How many are in the world? One, Jesus only has one bride. You say, no, no, Dave, there's lots of churches. No, there are lots of expressions of the church. We're one expression of the church. But there are lots of expressions, and several of us have gotten together and said, hey, what if we just empower our people with a simple tool that we could pray for every person in the big country on a regular basis? And so you're going to see a link on the bottom of your notes that says blesseveryhome.com. This is really cool. Here's what you do. You can go to blesseveryhome.com or you can get the app, and you sign up. Go in under Beltway Park, and then all you got to do is put in your address, and it's going to show you all your neighbors. Some of you say, that's cool, because I don't know my neighbor's name. I know, but it's going to give you their names. You can get their names, and you sign up for how many people you want to pray for. You can sign up for five, you can sign up for seven, you can sign up for ten, you can sign up for as many as you want, and then you can sign up for the number of times you want to be reminded to pray for them. So I have my whole block, and I ask for five people to be prayed for every day. And so I get a reminder with a prayer in the names of five of my neighbors, and I pray that prayer over my neighbors and other prayers as the Lord leads almost every day. Some days I miss it, but I'm praying for them on a regular basis. It's a simple thing all of us can do. There are almost 140,000 people who live in the big country. Many of them do not have the hope that we have. They don't have the peace that we have. Remember something. 140,000 people, I know it's just a number, but remember, every number has a name. Every name has a destiny. Every destiny matters to God. I was out doing some landscaping. While I was working on this project, um, God, first time he ever spoke to me, and he, he got a hold of me. And so he said, fix it, make it right, do the right thing. Um, at that time, I, uh, selfish life, not caring about others, not caring about family, not even understanding that. My wife was going to Beltway North. Um, she said that, she told me one day, she says, you gotta go. You gotta, you gotta check this out. There's, the spirit is within the building. And she, she's the one that kind of got me going back in that direction. I would do it occasionally, but not not I got to be there kind of thing. Went to the Plus Thursday um, service, which I love. It's great. Um, and uh, at the end, like we always do, um, any, is uh, anyone can we you can come up here and we'll pray for you. Well, I said that's it. Got to find something other than what I'm doing. It just it, this what I've been doing isn't working. All the way up there, I'm thinking, oh, man, I got to. I gotta talk to one of these guys. One of the guys will understand me and they'll figure me out. So I'm walking up front and uh, there's a lady standing there. And I'm like, nope, ain't gonna do it. 
I'm not gonna, I'm not going to a lady, I wanna go to the one of the guys. And uh, sure enough, God takes me and puts me into um, Miss Graves. I shared with her who I was, um, what I was and what I thought, what I thought I was. I had, I was, again, broken man and lost. There's two things that really came out of this that struck me. The first thing was she never judged me. Um, she prayed on me, which the spirit was there. And the uh, second thing she said, which I didn't understand, was you need men. And I'm like, come on. But, you know, 25 years of military, doing all the things I do, you know, the last thing you want to hear is you need men. My wife was there, she prayed on my wife also, and she said, I'll put you in contact with Zach Vassar, and he'll, you, get, you guys will sit and talk, and, and, uh, but you need men. Oh my, I, I didn't get it. Oh, about four days later, um, Zach calls me up, say, I need to understand, we need to talk. Come on in, we sat down. Um, we sat down and shared stories. Um, basically testimonies of where we had been. Again, the biggest thing out of that was no judgment, none. Just a, yep, yeah, you're, you're not alone. Um, and again, he says, I know what you need, you need men. Invited to the shed, 6.30 in the morning, and I rolled in, rolled in there thinking, uh, what are you doing? Uh, that morning was so powerful to me. Um, the testimony that was given that day was um, a, a man who spoke a story that was like looking in a mirror to me. I'm, now I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm saying, okay, there is something to this and it's, it's touching my heart. I came home and I said, I said, sweetheart, I'm going to boot camp. There, I didn't ask. I didn't say, hey, about these days. I didn't talk about money. I didn't do anything. I just came home and said, I'm going to boot camp came back from boot camp and um, man, I got this thirst for, for Jesus. I, I came back like, I, I, I know where I'm going. I get it. And I don't, I, and what I mean by that is I know what my mission is and I know what I've got to do. Since I came back from uh, boot camp, we had Kingdom Men. And we sat through the first one from Kingdom Men. It was just to keep in the word and look and digest the word. The first semester, we call it semester, I, I sat. And um, the second one, hey, I was reached out to and said, hey, you know, why don't you take the table? Shortly after that, I need you help. I need some help facilitating this. Okay, now, okay, okay, God, my journey with this and my story is started in May. And here I am being pulled into this. My latest mission, which drives my wife nuts, it's, it's crazy. But I'll, I'll see people walking around and um, I'll just like, I gotta go talk to that person and I'll take off and I'm gone. The first time I did it, um, there's a guy in Walmart at the door and he's he's getting a shopping cart with me and I said and I just like I said hey my name is Gary God God told me to come over here and talk to you um, I don't know why but you know what's your story come on give that a round of applause that's what we're about remember they're gonna throw it back up here every number has a name his name's Gary. Gary has a story. 
story of struggle and trauma and brokenness and a wife who's been praying for him along with her friends for two years. And he took a step. And that step was just to come here. So when I tell you that on an average Sunday we have 4,897 people show up physically, I, I know that's a big number, but all I can think about is Gary. Because I know every one of us have a story and God wants to take us from our story into our destiny. And that's why that number matters to me. We want that to be as many people as possible, not just in our church, but in churches, the expressions throughout the big country till everybody knows him. That's why it matters that we have 3,649 people average online each and every week. Because I know there's just times you can't make it in person. Some people just can't make it in person at all for various reasons. They matter because sometimes that's scary. And if it's not Gary, it's Joe or it's Sally or it's Sarah. And we just keep going on and on with the names. And what we want to see happen is what's happened in Gary's life. That he came just broken and said something needs to change. And he took a first step. And so when I tell you that 646 people confessed Jesus in baptism at Beltway Park this year, that one you should clap with right there. That is incredible. One of them is named Gary. That's why it matters. One of them was my granddaughter. I see people. And those people matter to the Almighty and they matter to us. We had a dream that we could baptize 4,000 by the end of 2030. I thought that was the most ludicrous thing we'd ever heard from God. But we have already baptized in four years 1,542 people. And I'm beginning to think... Could he do abundantly more than that and change that many more lives if we just continue to have a measure of faith and we continue to pray and we continue to say, God, come on, do more, do more. Do you know around Beltway Park, this, is just, this one blows my mind, we have 2,548 individual kids on our properties every week. If you go to our kids' building and they're messy right now, the reason is there are 5,000 Pairs, not pairs of feet, 5,000 feet, 5,000 hands. I watched your kids when they came in today at the South Campus. There's puddles of water out there. Parents are going around them. Kids are doing this right through the water. And then what building are they going into? They're going into our buildings, and it's going to be muddy and nasty, and then they're going to wipe their hands on their shoes and stuff like that, and then they're going to wipe their hands on the walls and all that kind of stuff, and we are going to keep cleaning floors, and we're going to keep painting walls, and we're going to keep doing everything we can so we can love 2,548 kids each and every day. That's what we're going to do because we want to see people's lives change. We have them because they come after school, 350. By the grace of God, they do not all show up on the same day. But there are 350 registered in the summer. There's almost 500 that are registered to come be a part of things. We want to love kids. We put our kids, we, we put everybody. I'm just going to tell you right now. We want people loved. We want people encouraged. We want people blessed. So we do groups. The reason we do groups, I'm telling you, we do groups because that's where we can love each other, encourage each other, bear one another's burdens. All the one another's in Scripture. We had 769 adult groups. And we had teen groups and we have kids groups as well. And the whole reason is so that in a church that we can grow as large as we have to be. We'll keep growing until everybody knows Jesus Christ. That's our growth. It's our desire. And we'll just keep putting people in community groups. These groups don't all meet at one time. They meet throughout seasons of the year, like they meet at camps. So, you know, we had boot camp, and we had 600 men 
go to boot camp this last year. Men, you need to go to boot camp. It is a life-changing, it's incredible. Ladies, ladies, I'm disappointed with you. You had 576 go to women's released, okay? So I'm saying this year, we're signing up right now. The men are going to volunteer right now to make sure all the kids are taken care of. Amen? That is the saddest response from men I have ever heard in my life. May the Spirit of God get a hold of you in this and let your wife go to release for you. These are powerful times. We don't do it, we do it with teens. Man, our teen camp is incredible. We had 504 teens go to our camp. That's sixth grade through 12th grade. What's cool also is we had 115 people, most of whom had to take a week of vacation to serve our teens and let them grow in Jesus Christ. We had 353 kids, that's second through fifth graders, 125 on the serve team. We think we can, we'll increase that this year because we're actually moving camps so that we, we just packed our camp we go to. We love it, they've been great, we just don't have any more space. And so we're gonna go someplace where we have more space so that we can love on more kids and do with more kids, amen? Guys, that's what we wanna be about. I could keep going, but I just wanna tell you, all this happens because of your generosity. Not just financial, listen to that, it is that. But we're just talking about the time you invest. I saw the faces of some of the people who came back from this. They were the most exhausted, joyous faces I'd ever seen in my life. They hadn't slept in days but they had so much joy in what they were able to give and what God did in the hearts and lives of kids and that there are people who will do that thousands of times over at Beltway Park. Thank you so much. Thank you for making Gary's story possible and having that story literally thousands of times over happening among us. You are an incredible people and I know some of you are jumping in for the first time in 2024 or you're gonna jump in Thank you. We all do it because of the generosity of Jesus. We think about what we give, then we think about what he gave. And we just say, Jesus, I need to be like you. I give all my life to him, and then he just directs me on how to use it. We don't have to do it all. You can't serve everywhere. You can't give all your money. I mean, I think you have to have food and stuff like that. But you can say, Jesus, I give you everything. Now you will show me how to be generous. And here's the promise. Listen to me. He who was poor became, I mean, sorry, he who was rich became poor. So that through his poverty, you and I might become rich. And then he made a promise. He said, I'm going to make you rich in every way. So that on every occasion you can be generous just like I was generous. And through your generosity, thanksgiving will be given to the Father. That is what we can believe for today. So what I want everybody to do at both campuses right now, online family, I want you to get your elements of communion. And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna say thank you to Jesus with our communion elements and with our songs. Come on. How many of you have something to be thankful for this year? Put your hands up right now. Amen. Let's stand for a second if you don't mind. And if you would, get your communion element and get your bread out and hold it. Online family, North Campus, South Campus, all around. And let's remember every bit of hope we have. 
the joy we can have, the peace we can have, all because of Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. And through his poverty, through what he did, you and I, look at it, we're rich. If you have Jesus and he has you, you can do nothing to be any richer. I don't care what your bank account looks like, if it goes up or down. I don't care what your investment account looks like, up or down. I don't care if your company's value goes up and down. You can be no richer than being a child of God through Jesus Christ. Let us remember that reality. Let us give thanks. Jesus, we thank you. We can't even begin to fathom what you got. I can't fathom what heaven is like. And you sacrificed heaven to become one of us. The word says you were tempted in every way. I've not been tempted in every way, but you were. But you had no sin. And you who did not deserve to die, you did not deserve to go to the grave, you didn't deserve to go to hell, you did so for us. Thank you. We remember say thank you Jesus thank you for your goodness and grace in Jesus name amen let's receive together if you would open the cup carefully and let us remember we are on a journey a journey we help each other with, a journey that is only by the power of the Spirit of God within us, but it is a journey nonetheless to become like Jesus. Let's remember and let's commit ourselves in a fresh way that every word that would describe Jesus would become more true of our lives. We would become more loving and kinder, more empowering and more sacrificial but we'd also walk in complete generosity as he calls us to, because that's who he is. Jesus, we commit ourselves afresh to you. We remember we have become your follower. We want to be like you. So we ask that you would fill us by your spirit and enable us to be more and more like you in every way we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take together. You can put these to the sides at both campuses online, and we're going to spend a few minutes worshiping. Don't head out, I promise you. Um, we're going to land this after a couple of songs, but I just feel like Jesus needs to be praised. Amen? So let's get our hearts ready right now. Father, we, we want to honor you. Father, we want to honor you with our songs, but we want our songs to just implore us into a life. So we project ourselves ahead into the next week, into the workplace. Let us honor you in the way we work, the way we interact with coworkers. If we work for someone, the way we interact with our boss. If people work for us, the way we interact with our employees. Whatever the case may be, it matters not. We want to honor you. If we're going to school with our fellow students, with our teachers, with administrators, Father, we want to honor you. We want to honor you where we work out our hobbies, our places, whatever it might be. Your word says, whatever we do, in word or deed, do all for the name and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we say, oh God, we want you to be glorified in the big country. We want you to be honored and we want to see many, many drawn to you. 
You have drawn us to yourself. Now give us grace, Father, to be a part of what you're doing in the world. We say we want to stay in step with you. And we want to be used of you to bless our neighbors. Be glorified through your church. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.